Right. Wonderful to see you all this morning. Thank you again, Brendan, to you and your team for serving us so well today. And um, just great to have so many new faces here as well today. And really hope that you're feeling at home and comfortable here. All right. So as I launch this morning into my preach, the first thing I do want to say is that what I love about our worship is that our worship is never about how we feel. Our worship is always about Him. We make it about Him. And we're singing about Jesus. And so for some of you that are here, you need to know why Jesus is important for us. Because when you and I were born, we were messed up. We were broken. And you might say, now, how do you make a statement like that? Well, very easy. How many of you have got kids know that your kids don't need to be trained to misbehave? Eh? And we were like them as well. Do you know that just even in that behavior, our kids are, in a sense, when I say lost, if you're a Christ follower, your kids are covered in this moment. But we grow up and we become adults. And what happens is that combined harvester of sin just somehow seems to multiply itself. Eh? And, um, and so what happens is Jesus is preached um, often in your homes, uh, at a church that you might go to, at schools, and all those kind of things. And then somewhere along the line, the light gets switched on, and you realize actually how messed up and how lost you actually are, and actually how you need Jesus. And the thing is with Jesus, he's the only one that can save you from your sin. He's the only one that can save you from your brokenness. And the beautiful thing is when we get to that place and we realize this, that's where we say we surrender. We lay our lives down. We say, Lord, don't understand all of this because it is a journey. I don't understand this all, but I need you to forgive me for sinning against you and uh, hurting others and sinning against others. And, and Lord, just seeing my life the way that it is, I realize that I'm lost and I cannot save myself and I need you. And it's at that point when you call on his name, the Bible says whoever calls on his name will be saved. That is the heart of God. And the thing is, when you get saved, when you get to that point, what happens is God adds you into a family like we've got you this morning. And what happens is he starts to work on us and he starts to work on our character and our nature and he starts to fashion you and form you more and more into the likeness of Jesus. That's actually what's happening. And so you don't want to stay like you are. You actually want to become like Jesus. You should be inviting it. You should be welcoming it. That's the heart of God. So as we journey, you get saved. Then what happens is part of getting saved is we've got to encourage people because that's what the Bible teaches us, that when you give your life to Jesus, the next thing that a Christian does is they get water baptized. Okay, so Bianca, well done. You're not going to forget this because the water will be ice cold. Julia will tell you that. And that is just simple obedience. And so for those who have recently got saved, um, it's called my friend Andrew, I don't know, I saw you around here somewhere, gave his life to the Lord just recently, one of the folk from our mountain bike group, and uh, he and his wife for years ministering, just serving and being a part of it this morning. It's just wonderful to have our friends here with us. And we don't know what God does in this journey, but we celebrate. And those are the next things that we look at. People getting saved, getting water baptized, and then we pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in you, but that infilling comes 
so that we can be activated to live the life that God has called us to. So we as saints can move with power as well. That's the heart of God. I wanted to lay that foundation this morning because now I can get into what I feel God is wanting to do. We've been speaking much this year about do not forget and or neglect the wonder of the local church. I've dealt with accountability. We've been dealing with the whole aspect of unity. But I want to deal with the topic this morning. Hence, we've got breaking of bread. This morning, I believe God wants to deal with something quite serious, quite weighty. And so if you are a visitor here this morning, thank you for joining us. Because this is not by chance that you're here. God wants you to hear this thing. Because I think for many of us sitting here today, if we are real with ourselves, we all struggle with this. And I want to deal with this topic. It's called dealing with the trap of offense. I'm going to ask you, please, Herman, if you could put up my slide. Great. That's the one. Is there the other one? Thank you. Leave that up. Don't take offense. Don't cause offense. Can we go back to the first slide? This is what they call a scandalon. Now, many of you might have, those of the leaders that were at the recent leadership training with Ryan, a scandalon translated means offenses or offense. And what you can see here, there is a trigger. That little stick over there is what they call a scandalon. It's got a piece of rope that is tied to it. Now, you need to know, I was, as a young boy, I used to catch doves using this, this method. You would set it up and you have your little gut and you put bread all the way out and the doves and the birds would come and land and then you put it all the way into uh, the section where it goes under the box and once the dove is in far enough, you pull that stick and bang, the dove is trapped. I never, I never killed the doves, I never ate them, just, so, just for those animal lovers. But one thing I can tell you about the scandalon is that it was a very, very easy way and a non-threatening way to catch the dove. The problem is for many of us, Satan uses the same method to catch you and I. And so that is why it's important for us to deal with this topic of offenses. You know, throughout the Bible, it's probably mentioned 73 times that it refers to dealing with offenses. So if it's mentioned that many times or referred to that many times, then surely it must be something that is important that God wants us to deal with. And so as you sit here, dealing with offenses is not just about dealing with offenses in our corporateness as a church. It's actually dealing with offenses in all areas of your life. Husband, wife, children, children and parents, your areas of influence, all the places that you're involved with people. And remember, as Christ followers, we need to take on the character and the nature of Jesus. But we will all find ourselves in a space where at some point we will have to deal with this thing. And so as Ryan had shared a few weeks ago, Ryan Kingsley, who spoke at the gathering, um, the Friday before he spoke on the Saturday, he spoke much around this. And it was very interesting because it's one of the things that I had been processing and getting ready in my heart and mind. And he said, with the trigger of offense, what happens is there's two areas that break the unity in the church. 
One is the um, whole thing of offense, and the other one was um, self-pity. So for me, the big one was dealing with offense. And so I believe God just confirmed that for me. But I also want to deal with another part of offense, which I think becomes very important, and I think it's a big trap that many of us are falling into. And it's, and it's derailing our walk in God, and it's tarnishing our testimonies, and I believe God wants to bring this to the surface. And right now, even in the prayer meeting, there was a, a referral to if the light could be shone into your heart this morning, let it be like that. Because let God speak to you, and don't get offended by what God shows you. Rather, get to a place of saying, Lord, I want to run free from this thing today, rather than live with this thing in my heart. And so, we, we, we need to come to a place of dealing with what I would also call secondary offenses. Now, what is a secondary offense? It's a good question, Dimple Central and Edge Meet PM. So, a secondary offense, I will just make it easier for you to understand this, and then you relate it to other things. I come, and I deal with Gunther, and I address him in a particular area of his life. Gunther goes home, and he says to Laura, yo, I just got a little bit of a clappuccino from ants. Shouldn't be using those words, clappuccino, because every time we phone people to go for a coffee, they think there's a problem. <laughs> but what happens is, so Laura, who was perfectly fine, not involved, I deal with Gunter. So this is an example, all right? I deal with Gunter. Gunter goes and he shares with Laura, your aunt's roasted me on whatever it what felt like a roasting. So what does she do? She picks up an offense on behalf of him. No, who does he think he is? Huh? He, who does he think he is? Huh? What kind of leader? He's so cruel. He's so harsh. And what happens is we pick up an offense there. You share there. Laura has an issue with me. I don't even know she's got an issue with me. The problem is the scandal has dropped over him as well as her. They're living in a space. They're totally out of sync at the moment. They can't walk properly with God. And there's issues happening in their lives. And we don't know why. Because we've taken up either an offense or we're dealing with a secondary offense on behalf of someone else. And what you're doing is you're carrying your sin. And that's what God wants to deal with here today. And I'm going to preach hard into this thing today. Because I want to tell you something. If we want to get set free, we need to deal with this thing ruthlessly. Because an offense is something that will absolutely destroy your walk in God. It will weigh you down. And then what happens is if you get a secondary offense on top of that, it also takes you down and actually can really derail your walk and actually set you off on the wrong course. Does this make sense? So I want you to use this illustration right now and ask yourself this question. Have I got an offense in my heart? As you sit here right now, the Lord sees. I'm not, I'm not immune to this. If I get up and preach here today, I would not preach this thing with integrity of heart if I didn't say to you, I have carried offense in my heart. What about the secondary offense that you're sitting with here this morning? Who have you got an issue with? Who have you taken up an issue with in your marriage, in your friendship circles, in the places of work, with the boss, whatever the story might be? How are we dealing with this thing? God wants to set us free. So the thing is, Psalm 26 verses 2 says the following as you're sitting here listening so attentively. It says, test me, O Lord, 
and try and examine my heart and my mind. That should be the prayer of our heart this morning. Test me, Lord. Examine my heart this morning. Shine your light on me this morning. So with that, as you are listening to this, we have all been offended at some point, and we have all offended at some point. And this, for me, is, is a very, very um, important thing for us to look at because sometimes the offenses that happen or the way that we offend others often can be very, very subtle. And the most important thing is as soon as we become aware of it, we actually need to deal with it. And we need to deal with it swiftly and deliberately. Often offenses will lead to things like bitterness, hatred, anger. And I want to say to you, if there is no repentance or forgiveness given as a result of this, it can have serious eternal consequences. For those of you making notes, I haven't given this scripture at the back, but 1 John 3.15 says, Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal residing in him. Anger as a result of offenses and bitterness has serious consequences for our walk with God. And so, as we take on these offenses and we don't realize it, it's possible. I'm not saying that this is always the case, but sometimes our mental and our emotional struggles and the things that we battle with could be as a result of us holding on to offenses and things that have happened to us in the past, and it will have an, an effect on your emotional well-being and your future relationships with other people, let alone with God. So, I've decided I'm going to give you an illustration this morning. I'm hoping this will help. I want to call it my lumpy carpet. And this is the carpet of our lives. As you can see, this carpet is extremely lumpy. Is there anybody here that would like to walk on this carpet? Because you don't know what's underneath you. But for many of us, our lives have become uncomfortable. For many of us, we're carrying stuff, and, and, and we don't even realize it. And then you want to know why your life is so uncomfortable. This morning, I believe what God wants to do, He wants to lift the carpet, and He wants to deal with the issues that are under this carpet and the issues that are in your life. And what He's doing is He's shining a light on the areas of your lives our lives that need to be dealt with. And not one person sitting here this morning is immune to this. We are all in the boat together. It's just like that. And we can take an offense and deal with things. And so the heart of God is that he wants to take all of this stuff and he wants to wrap it up. Lee, can I ask you to help me out, please? He wants you to wrap it up. He wants you to bring it to the one who can heal you. He wants you to bring it to the one who can set you free. His name is Jesus. He wants you to give your stuff to Jesus. And this morning, when we break bread, that is going to be part of dealing with our stuff this morning. Is Lord, you shine the light on the things in my life. And this morning, I'm going to give this to you and let you take care of it. And this morning, I walk out those doors free from that which has held me in captive and in bondage. Thank you so much.
So let me ask you, how comfortable is your mat at this current stage? What are you facing? What are you dealing with? The interesting thing about offenses is they build up over time. It doesn't just happen. Oh, it doesn't matter what that person said or did or what I said or did. What happens is it builds up over time. And eventually, your carpet will start to look like that if we don't start to deal with it. We need to acknowledge what we're seeing, and we need to deal with that thing accordingly. In a biblical context, an offense is considered a bait or an enticement that leads to a broken relationship. And you need to know, when we've got the root of bitterness and anger and all of those things in our lives, the first relationship that gets affected is your relationship with the Lord. The second is with those that are around you and those that we walk with. And so that is the heart of God, that we need to get this thing right. We need to deal with it. I'm trying to pace myself with these notes. The interesting thing with offense is you will only go as far in life as your ability to overcome those offenses. Say that again. You will only go as far in life as your ability to overcome the offenses. And so I think God has got his, his finger on us this morning as individuals and as a congregation that we need to deal with this because he wants you to run further. He wants you to run further, not just for yourself, but for his purposes. And that's why it's important to deal with this. So I'm going to give us some handles on how we're going to deal with this this morning. And so, how do we handle being offended? Firstly, recognize and acknowledge that you are offended. Proverbs 18 verses 19, it says, A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. Now, think about it. How many of you have met somebody that is offended? What was your experience when you sat with them? wasn't comfortable. I've sat with people that have been highly offended with me. Well, I'm not surprised that they offended with me. I'm always at the brunt of it. But they're highly offended with me. And when I see what outworks itself, you realize how ugly this thing is. And we actually need to acknowledge, you know what? I'm, I'm offended. I've been offended by something that you've said I've been offended by something that was done. And some of us also need to acknowledge, actually, I've caused an offense in you which actually shouldn't have happened, and, and I actually need to go and deal with that. And I'm going to open that up a little bit later for us. Secondly, those making notes, be slow to anger. So first one, recognize and acknowledge that you are offended or have caused an offense. Secondly, be slow to anger. Proverbs 19.11 says the following, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. And our heart is, 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 when we are offended, is not to always go and defend ourselves. Not to always go with this thing of, I'm going to go in all guns blazing to sort this issue out. There are certain aspects of, of the journey, the way that we handle it, that we can deal with the offenses so that we can win on all parts. James 1.19 says, Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. What that means in Scripture, it says, God, when He made you, 
I was standing in the queue. I often use this joke. I say, you know, when I was standing in the queue, um, I, was, I was waiting there, and I thought, um, you know, God was handing out ears. I thought he said beers, so I asked for two large ones. God has given you two ears. He's given you one mouth. The Bible says, be slow to anger. We need to listen more, speak less. How many of us will defend ourselves often in these scenarios? It's in moments of calm the wise man counsel sounds so right, so sane. And overlooking an offense is your glory. When the offenses, they, they come, we often will look at these offenses and uh, we sort of go, well, we often find them too large to look over. No matter what that offense is, we'll find them too large to look over. Some of us are looking at it this morning and we might say, oh, you know what? I've got a spouse that's consistently finding fault with me. It becomes a big thing in our lives. A boss is unfair criticism. A stranger's unaccountable rudeness towards us. And so what happens is, as these things start to happen, they start to grow and they start to multiply. And I don't know about you, but when I get offended, you know where I deal with it? In the car. And I become a lawyer. And I start arguing in the car. Now, that will surprise some of you because now that doesn't happen to you guys. I know that. Some of, us, some of us, we internalize it. I'll express it in my car. Or I'll go for a walk and I'll, and I'll talk it out. And, I, and I've got to deal with this thing. Who do they think they are? You know, you're just going for it. And the problem is something this small, we make this big because we start to focus all of our attention on that. And this thing starts to grow and grow and grow, and eventually it wipes us out. And God wants us to deal with this thing ruthlessly and keep it small and actually eradicate it. So, point number three, how do you deal with it? Good one. Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17 says the following. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. You know what the problem is? We will often go with our issues to people that will hear what we want them to hear, so they will side with you. If you've got an issue with somebody, you go to the person direct. As a matter of fact, as a saint, what we should be doing is, when somebody comes to you and says to you, what I'm about to tell you, please don't tell anybody else. What should you do, Lee? <laughs> i put it on the spot. Uh, what I should do, Lance. <laughs> Saying, whoa, stop. What you're about to tell me, I don't want to hear. Because if you're going to tell me this, are you prepared to tell the person themselves? If not, I'm going to phone them and set up a meeting, and you're going to tell them what you wanted to tell me. That's right. <laughs> right. That's how we deal with it. You know why? Secondary offense comes when we entertain what other people tell us. We pick up what they say. You pick up a secondary offense. Bang. 
scandal and pulled, you're trapped, you're caught. And that's the bait of Satan. That's how he works. We need to shut this thing down today. As a saint, it's not just left up to the leaders. We need to shut these things down, and we need to make sure that we walk according to what we see in Scripture. Is this making sense for you? All right. Number four, don't get defensive when people come and see you. This is a big one. I want to encourage us, if you have been offended or hurt by somebody, and I'm saying to you, if I offend you or hurt you, I might not even know that I've done it. Please, if you come and you see me, I'm not going to attack you. I've now made that public to a hundred odd people yet today. I'm not going to attack you. I welcome it. Because sometimes we do things or say things and we don't know that we're hurting other people. All right? But we will deal with things accordingly. And it's important that when people do come and speak to you as a Christ follower, listen to what they're saying. Be slow to speak, quick to listen, hear what they're saying, because it is possible that just simply through the way that you've conducted yourself that you could hurt somebody. Let me give you an example, a classic in our context. Many of you know I like drinking red wine. All right? But I will only drink with somebody... I have wine at my home, I'm just being honest, with my meals. If I'm going to a comm group that night, I won't drink any alcohol. But if I meet with folk in a Josh Jen context, we don't do alcohol um, in our Josh Jen meetings and that, and that's purely because some people have come out of alcoholism and I don't want to be putting anybody in a space that they will stumble and fall. If I'm having a braai with somebody and they say to me, bring your own drinks, I'll ask them, say, do you drink wine? Would it be okay if I bring? If you have a problem with alcohol, I won't bring. Because you know why? Because there's some of you that are sitting here that have come out of a home where there was so much alcohol abuse. Now you see a Christian drinking alcohol, and what happens is you get offended because you take that situation back into what you've come out of and the hurt and the pain that you've experienced. Can you see how quickly offense comes? Just simply through food and drink. So it's not just what I say to you, what I do to you, but it's simple things like that that God wants to heal us from. Does that make sense? All right. So very, very importantly, the Bible also says, do not take heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. So when people come to you, give them the space God might be dealing with something in their lives. It is possible that you could have caused an offense. Maybe you haven't. You don't take on something that you haven't done. But we lovingly help one another. And if you have offended somebody or you realize, sure, maybe by my actions I've caused offense. Gunther, I, I realize the way I've done this possibly wasn't helpful. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Please will you forgive me. Very important for him to say, man, thank you. Appreciate it. Forgive you. Boom. That's it. And we're done and we move on. Is this helpful? Okay, good. A few more points and we're going to land. The importance of cultivating a healthy relationship with the Lord becomes vital now. And this is where we're getting to the, the, the meat of this thing. Um, if you want to overlook an offense, we need to start looking to God. We need to start overlooking the, the bigger offenses by looking to Him. And, and it starts also by dealing with the smaller offenses. Because the smaller offenses is what builds up and they get big. And so we need to look to God. And we need to ask God to show us where we have got offenses in our lives. And the most important thing is we want to keep our relationship good with Him. So with, with this, 
as we follow him, we need to surrender this area of our lives to him. And say to him, Lord, we need to ask you to help us in this area to deal with these offenses. Because let me tell you, as you sit here, do you know who we have offended? Is him. We offend God often with our sin. And look how merciful and how kind he is to each and every single one of us. Who are we to operate any differently with a brother or sister in the body? Or anywhere else, as a matter of fact. And I want to encourage you, don't let Satan distract your devotion to Jesus through offenses. Number six, deal with the roots. If you find that you're someone who's easily offended, ask the Lord to reveal that offense. And then you need to deal with it by realizing that when you are offended, what happens is we often are feeding that negative emotion. That's the thing that highlights we've got an offense, and we need to deal with that thing. And you sometimes need to make hard decisions uh, in your life. The first thing is that hard decision is I need to break this thing over my life. I need to be set free from it. And as you do that and you seek the Lord and you, and you, and you push into him, what will happen is he will bring the healing uh, that will happen in the very core of your being. Let's look at what 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 to 6 says. And this is a powerful scripture for us as a church. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. What does that mean for us this morning? God has given you the tools and the ability to deal with offenses, and we need to be ruthless with it. There is power in the name of Jesus. When we pray, we need to understand that as we pray and we look to Jesus and we trust him, he has the ability to break down the strongholds, that which has put us in a place of being trapped and put us in a place of captivity. When we take scripture and we start to fight the battle that there is there, there is power in the scriptures to break the stranglehold and the stronghold of the enemy. And that is what we need to do as Christ followers. So we, we, we worship, we pray, we present scripture. You get a brother or a sister around you and you walk this thing out together until you're totally, totally set free uh, from this. God has given us what we need to, 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 to get over this battle. So I want to give you another illustration. So I'm going to ask Ian and Lee if they can come up. Ian, if you could stand at the top there, please. This is another illustration. So this illustration, what happens is you have this life that you're living right now for many of you. And this is what sin does to us. This is what offense does to us. It traps us. It wraps us. Okay? Be gentle now. (laughs) This has got to work. (laughs) Gently, Lee. Don't, don't stretch it too much. It's fine. Go up. Go higher. That's fine. Go right up. And this is what offense does to us. It starts to entangle us. And, and you know, we laugh and it looks funny. But how many of you are sitting here right now? Your minds are tight. 
your minds are tight. You, you, we, 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 we've got this pressure in our minds and in our hearts and our bodies, and some of us, we just don't understand what is going on. This is exactly what it is. And so what needs to happen while they're busy here? I'm going to just explain. We need to pray for deliverance. And what that means that we need to do is we need to come to a place where we need to acknowledge that we are offended or have been offended. All right? It then says that we get to a place that we, we actually um, need to bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, I've got an issue here and I need your help. The Bible then tells us in terms of acknowledging it and calling out to the Lord, you need to ask him to set you free from this thing. And so you've got to call it what it is. I've been offended by my mom or my dad or my husband or my wife or my friends or my boss or whatever the story might be. Keep it going. Let's put some more on him. I don't want him to get away with this. I am the enemy. <laughs> Keep going here. Let's go down this way. And you know what? Toilet paper is very light. That's exactly what Satan does. He just ties us up very lightly. And this is what traps us. And so what needs to happen is, and as Ian is now hearing this message, say, Ian, we could see that you've got some, some issues that you're having to deal with. There's some offense in your heart. And so, Ian, can you recognize that offense? You can. Wonderful. Ian, would you like to be set free today? Fantastic. Or would you like to stay like this for the rest of your life? So, Ian, we, we recognize that, that there's an offense. So you need to acknowledge, I've been offended and I've carried this thing. And that it has tied me up. It's trapped me. And I don't want to live like this. Lord, I come to you today and I ask you to forgive me. And he prays, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for taking on this offense. Forgive me for becoming bitter, anger, enraged. Forgive me for withdrawing from the body. Forgive me for withdrawing from you and blaming you and blaming others. Because that's what offense does. It says, Lord, I don't want to live like this. So this morning, Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me. But Lord, I also choose today to forgive those that have offended me and hurt me. Because your Bible says that if you do not forgive others, then the Word of God says that your Lord will not forgive you. Lord, I choose to forgive the parties that have forgiven me. And Lord, where possible, if they are still alive, I will go and see them or I'll send them a letter and I'll make right with them. So that I can be set free. And it doesn't matter what they say or what they think. What matters is, Lord, that I walk free and I walk right with you and I do the right thing. The rest is up to the other parties. I want to make sure that I walk free. And so this morning, I choose to forgive them, Lord. And as I forgive them, I say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, will you come and set me free? Let the power of Jesus come and set me free. And your word says, those that are free will be free indeed. And with that, he breaks out. And we rip it off. We rip it off totally. And he is set free. And he can run. And he can jump. There we go. I want to close with this. And you'll see, it's funny, because as you were running, there's little bits attached to you. But we've got to make sure that we constantly, every day, are praying until those things are totally off us. They don't have the opportunity to entangle us again. 
And then Jesus does something in 1 Peter 2, verses 21 to 25, and this is how he handles offense. He says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live, righteous, live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And so this morning, I think for many of us, we find ourselves in a place that maybe something has been highlighted here for you today and you realize that you're walking with an offense in your heart. God wants you to walk free today. You know, when Jesus hung on the cross, he looked at the people. The people that he performed some of the greatest miracles ever were there. They saw it. And they're the same people that put him on the cross. Same people that put him on the cross. Most powerful thing is that we need to understand that Jesus had to die. He had to go to the cross to take your sin and my sin upon himself. When you carry an offense, guess who's on the cross? You and I. When we carry an offense, we take the place of Jesus. And that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that he came for those that were lost, those that were broken, those that were sick. He takes the sin of the world upon him. And so if you're carrying offense this morning, as I did with that bag this morning, I want to encourage you, will you bring it to Jesus this morning? Put Jesus in his rightful place. Let the cross be a reminder of our brokenness and our sinfulness and the price that he paid to set you and I free. And he did one of the most powerful things ever because he had the right to retaliate because he had been offended by the sin of the people. What did he do? He hung there and he looked across the congregation he looked across the congregation in absolute agony and absolute pain. And he said, Father, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. For they know not what they're doing. And so for you and I, sometimes we don't know what we're doing. And sometimes others don't know what they're doing. We need to learn to forgive Forgive them, forgive yourself, be set free, and walk in the fullness of what God has for you. Let's close our eyes. This morning, as you're sitting here, what is that spotlight, spotlight looking right now? What does it look like for you right now? What is it highlighted? What has it shown you? What offense have you carried? Maybe the Holy Spirit is even reminding you of offense that you've caused that you didn't even think you had done. Right now, is it an issue with a brother or a sister in the body? Is there an issue with you as a husband or a wife? Is there an issue with your children? Has the children got an issue with the family? Some of us are children here. Have you got issues with your family? Mothers and fathers that you need to make right. Some of us are carrying a burden. God wants to break this thing from you today.
to right there where you are. I want to ask you just to say, Lord, I see the offense. I acknowledge it. I see that I've been offended and I've carried this thing for a long time. Lord, I've seen that I've actually also caused offense. This morning, Lord, I come to you and I ask you to forgive me. Just there where you are, just say, Lord, please forgive me. And I'm asking you, Lord, to come and set me free from this. Lord, I choose to forgive those that have offended me and hurt me. I choose to forgive myself because, because I know that I have the ability to forgive others. And sometimes I also need to learn to forgive myself. This morning, Lord, I want to thank you that you didn't stay offended with me. You actually forgave me. And you gave your son Jesus for me. Because my sin was offensive to you, Lord. And so this morning, I, I, I want to thank you that I can come to you and ask you for forgiveness and mercy. I thank you that I can call on your name because your name is all-powerful. And as I call on your name, Lord, not only do you save me, but Lord, your word says that by your stripes we are healed. You actually come and you heal us from these offenses. It's a supernatural thing this morning. Lord, because we're not fighting flesh and blood here. We're fighting principalities and power, Lord. And, and we know that Satan, Lord, can use our family and our friends and those closest to us to get at us. And so there's power in the name of Jesus this morning. Lord, there's power that when we come and we take and we break of this bread and take of this juice, we're reminded that the power of sin over our lives is no longer um, possible because you've broken that, that control of sin over our lives. And whilst we still have the ability, Lord, to sin, we sin less. But we, Lord, recognize that when we do sin against you, that we repent of it. This morning, Lord, where we have been held in captivity because of offense, we ask now that you break the stranglehold over our lives, over our families' lives, in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we partake this morning of the juice and the bread, we want to come with great joy. We want to come with great joy knowing what you did for us. Lord, that there's power even in this moment of taking the bread, being mindful of the price that you paid on the cross for us, Lord. That you were beaten, spat on, insulted, excruciating pain that we could never have endured. You did it for us so that we, Lord, could be saved and healed. And then the blood that was shed was the very thing that would come and wash us clean and set us free. So it is with joy this morning, Lord, that we come to the table. And there's power as we do this, that, Lord, that as we partake, that you, Lord, will break this stranglehold. And, Lord, that today you will set us on a different course, a different trajectory, so that we, Lord, can run well for you and live free. So, Father, we come before you this morning. I'm asking you, to move powerfully over our lives, Lord. As we partake of the bread, partake of the juice, Lord, will you come and set us free. We thank you for this moment. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. 
We pray this in your precious name. All of God's people said,